This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. Hello, and welcome to week four Brodo <clears throat> Preview Podcast. There's no Tim today, folks. Tim is attending to teachers slash fatherly duties. So just me and Matt today. Say what up to the people, Matt. How's it going, everybody? Good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah. So uh, me and Matt today to bring you some fantasy goodness. We still have the same. Everything's the same. Just no Tim being the host. I will be doing taking care of uh, hosting duties as well as my typical fantasy analyst duties. So two times the work for me today. Thanks, Tim. This guy always making me do extra work. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, thank you guys for listening. If you're listening, this podcast is brought to you by Fantasy Football by Brodo app. If guys, if you have not downloaded the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, please just go ahead and do it. Um, it's free. We got a we got a review yesterday saying best app on the market. I don't know how it's free, and I agree with the, that guy. We have player cards. Uh, we have usage charts, game logs, literally twelve plus articles a week at this point from our content team. It's just been uh, nonstop content and uh it's just a great it's a great app and uh you should download it if you haven't downloaded it yet it's on apple and uh and android so no matter what phone you use um it's there and big shout out to our patron family as well patreon.com slash broto fantasy the ones who are support the show and keeping the app running behind the scenes if you uh feel so inclined to help us out there that would very much be appreciated as well but um, that's that's the spiel. Tried to keep it a little shorter than Tim, a little more straight to the point. But, I like uh, Matt, Matt, how you feeling today, brother? I'm I'm excited, man. I can't believe like we're essentially a month of football in already. Like that's one of the most like wild concepts to me. I know time is a concept, but <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, especially when you think about it. Um, it's a 17 week season, but um, you know, there's no um. There's no 17 week season unless you're in a best ball league, unless you're like, unless you're taking it all the way. Um, we're already like a quarter of the way until the true yeah. into the season. And like the first three games, what is it? 13 week regular season now with the extra game or 14 week regular season, depending on how many or how you do it. If you have a multi week championship or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's um, it's already week four today. We got a pretty nice Thursday night football game going on as well between the Bengals and the uh the the dolphins you know um i'm playing against Cass today matt he has 
Terry Kill and I have Jamar Chase. So definitely going to keep that's an a, eye on that. Yeah, that's a battle of the Titans right there. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I have a whole lot of Waddle and, and T. Higgins, obviously, for those that have listened in the past. You know, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's a big hanger. T guy. Yep. So absolutely. Yeah, this is one of those like if this wasn't a Thursday night game, it probably would have uh, topped my you know, games to watch category. Yeah. Same here. It's a, a little upsetting that it is a Thursday game because the Thursday games can get a little ugly. Hopefully it's, it's not, but you know, we'll see by the time we finish, by the time people listen yeah, to this, the game will already be over. So <laughs> yeah, we're bound for a good one though, man. It's been rough Thursday night football again after last year was like so many great Thursday night games. And it seems like 2022 has reverted back to the Thursday night is almost unwatchable. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully uh, that changes tonight, but let's dive into it. Uh, we're starting with the news and notes. Tim's favorite, of course. Um, we'll start. We'll yep. jump into it with a, a wide receiver who's been out for a couple of weeks and remains limited at practice today, and that's Keenan Allen, but he left practice early, which is never a good sign. Um, what are we thinking here for Keenan Allen? If he if he's active this week, are you playing him? I, I feel like I definitely just like if he's active, I'm playing yeah. him because he's Keenan Allen. He's he he's certainly one of those guys that you don't have to worry about matchup. Um also again, like one of those scenarios that we've talked about on the podcast several times is like, you know, to a certain extent, you have to be able to trust the coaching staff and and the doctors on staff when they clear a player to play and he's not, you know publicly announced that he's going to be on a limited snap count and, and things like that. Yeah. You start your studs in those situations for sure. There's other members of that offense that I'm a little more worried about that we'll get into later uh, with Ooh. the return of Keenan Allen. But nice. I, I feel, I feel good. If Keenan feels good, I feel good. Same here. Um, Julio Jones was limited in Thursday. That's a good sign for Julio Jones, especially at his age. If he's getting in a practice on Thursday, I assume that means there's a good shot of him suiting up. We saw this past week, Tampa Bay really needed um, a downfield threat with Chris Godwin did not practice. See, we could also just like assume Chris Godwin's probably out at this point. So are, are you liking a, would you like Julio Jones as like a flex play this week? I think he has some upside if he is able to get on the field, just because Tampa Bay is just in desperate need of some downfield playmaking. Well, Julio was actually, you know, the orange Julius himself was, he was one of my tear breakers up before he was like, um, listed out at like the last minute. He was a game time decision and he was had some limited practices um, before he missed that game. So I, I do feel pretty good, especially with Godwin out. That was a big part of the reason why I was giving Julio such a big jump um, is, is I think that offense can function a lot better than they've looked to start the season. And I certainly think that, you know, as long as he's healthy, we, we've seen Brady support older receivers and we've seen older receivers have great seasons. And, and I don't think, Julio's entirely dust at this point. So yeah, flex level play for sure. Um, but a little bit, a little bit worried about his ability to obviously maintain an entire season at this point in his career. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the issue with Julio, but when he's actually active, especially if like with Chris Godwin's out, not there, I do think he certainly has some appeal. I agree with you there. Um, and, and Mike Evans just isn't a huge target share guy. Like Mike Evans is a huge touchdown guy and a thousand yards in eight consecutive seasons guy, but he, you know, he sits around a 17% target share for his career. So there's opportunities to be had elsewhere on that offense for sure. Yeah. Of course, Mike Evans, I guess I guess that's news. He returns after his one game suspension, one game suspension um, yeah. this week as well. I'm still mad about that suspension, but what are you going to do? Hunter Renfro. This is uh, 
upsetting. Did not practice again today, mm-hmm. and this was due to a concussion in week two. That's never a good sign if someone's missing this much time from a concussion. I think we could just say that he's uh, – we could just assume he's going to be out for week four. Um, the benefactor this past week was Mac Hollins, who had a monster game. Um, any interest in Mac Hollins? A much d- more difficult matchup here against Denver. For, for sure. I mean, the, the interest is is – Already, I, I'm sure you covered it on the waiver pod as well, but like that that's just it. it, it he's definitely a, somebody that I kind of hoped that you had some hindsight to pick up when Renfro was out and he was listed as the starter alongside Adams. Um, so there's some upside there. And I, I, I don't think that you're going to, if you have him on your roster right now, it's not a matchup that I'm like, de- you know, super willing to start him in or desperate to start him in. Um, but Devontae hasn't really peaked the way that we thought and I think that's obviously a product of Derek Carr more than a product of Devontae because his target share is still through the roof so yeah if if Derek Carr needs somebody you know to kind of step up and that somebody isn't looking like it's Darren Waller and it's certainly not looking like it's Josh Jacobs and and Devontae's getting double teamed and triple teamed because he's the only active receiver there's some upside in Mac Collins for sure man Next up is uh, one of your favorite guys, so I got to throw him in here. Back-to-back limited practices, looking like he could play, but I'd be weary starting him right away with yeah. the way Greg Dorsch has played. Um, it's Rondell Moore. How you, how would you uh, be handling Rondell Moore this week, assuming that he's active after back-to-back limited practices? Somebody that I talked about in the buy low, sell high article this week was Greg Dorch because uh, Cliff Kingsbury openly said, if not this week for sure next, then we're going to try to get Rondale on the field as much as possible to get him in for week four. I mean, I genuinely just think Greg Dorch's production is the product of how effective that slot role in Arizona is, uh, you know, Christian Kirk had it and like they cleared that role out for Rondale. I don't think Greg, Greg Dortch was the number one option to be filling that time. So I do think that immediately upon um, being healthy in the lineup, that everything you saw Greg Dortch do and all of the opportunities you saw Greg Dortch get are going to be Rondale's. Um, but first game back after a soft tissue injury that he struggled to even practice with, he could very easily re-injure that again and you're gonna get eight snaps so first game back i want to see him fully healthy perform but i'm i'm uber confident that all of those targets and all of those routes are immediately going to go to rondale Hmm. you gotta think he'd maybe be a little uh a little bit of a snap count his first week back but i mean i guess we'll see who knows with arizona true um david montgomery apparently he's supposed to be day-to-day except it seemed like he hurt his ankle pretty bad. He left the game. Khalil Herbert ran wild, um, and he is still yet to practice. He's looking more and more like he's on the doubtful side, I'd say. How are you? Uh, what do you think about David Montgomery here? If he does suit up, it probably makes him an even worse like option than he typically is, and it really yeah. hampers Khalil Herbert's outlook. Yeah, if he suits up, I mean, I just out of desperation completely started Khalil Herbert in so many leagues last (laughs) week. And I was just like, whatever, you know, throw the dart. It's Houston's defense, garbage time plays. Maybe Khalil can find the end zone. And and then we saw him rush for 159 yards and two touchdowns. And David Montgomery has never rushed for over 150 yards at any point in his career. 
Herbert's averaging 7.3 yards per carry on the season. No, he's not much of a pass catcher, but you know, as I highlighted in the off season before Khalil got drafted is like that kid is just a bruising truck of a mammoth. And if Chicago could create space um, in zone blocking schemes, which apparently appears to be the only thing that that offensive line is capable of doing, then there's upside for whoever's in the backfield. Yes. Uh, limited snap count. Montgomery is going to hamper Khalil's insane RB one overall upside that he clearly possessed. Um, but both of them, if both of them hit the field this week, it's a downgrade to both. Uh, and obviously if money doesn't start, like you have to have Khalil Herbert in your lineups. Yeah. Agreed. Um, two big injury news out of Carolina. I'll start with the smaller one. CMC hasn't practiced two days in a row. And then the bigger one, LaVisca Chenault didn't practice today either. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, uh, Christian McCaffrey, back-to-back, no practice. Um, There's still optimism, they say, that he'll be able to play this week. But obviously, it's not ideal. We really have to wait and see what Friday looks like. I think that would be a big one. Um, This is a tough one because... We, we don't really know how it would be split up between uh, Foreman and Chuba Hubbard um, if Christian McCaffrey is to sit. Um, but with the way that offense is operating, where Christian McCaffrey hasn't even been a star, using one right. of Hubbard or Foreman just seems like a low-end flex type of option. Do you like either of those? If I mean, I'd, I'd go Foreman of the two at the moment, but any uh, interest in either of these guys if McCaffrey actually doesn't suit up? No, that's legitimately like the one high workhorse opportunity share running back that if he gets injured, you don't want to play as backups. Yeah. Like that, yeah, I legitimately I wouldn't start either one of those dudes if if McCaffrey doesn't suit up. And I actually think that, you know, to kind of paraphrase you a little bit, I think that you brought this up on the, the Panthers heat wave is neither one of those guys are have upside with CMC out because they're both just going to vulture each other's productivity. No. Like it's going to become a committee. Neither one of them can handle a 30 touch workload. <clears throat> I'm going to end it off here with Mac Jones, who has a high ankle sprain, but apparently they're still operating as if he has a chance to start Sunday against the Packers. Look, you're probably not starting Mac Jones unless you're in a two quarterback and you have to start him. But look, Brian Hoyer's the backup. I already don't like the Patriots offense at all. Um, fantasy wise, it's an offense I've, faded each of the last couple of years, but with Brian Hoyer, that would just be so much worse. Um, how do you see us playing out if Mac Jones, assuming he doesn't play and Brian Hoyer is there? I mean, any of the Patriots players are you, uh, are you interested in at all? Cause I just, I can't get behind maybe Ramondre them, and really. Damien. Like I, but, yeah, I, but I, I feel don't like, like touchdown those... dependency for both exactly. of them too. And a low scoring offense for sure. And, and you, you know, Jacoby's got an insane, like, eighth in target share right now over 30 percent and Devonte parker just had that huge game but i would honestly think that a high ankle sprain mac jones that like they were concerned he was going to need surgery it was so bad um and then mris were like i guess it's just a really bad you know severe high ankle sprain and i would honestly assume that a high ankle sprain mac jones and a completely healthy brian hoyer probably have the exact same production ceiling Ooh. Interesting. A little disrespectful to Mac Jones, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it's not like he rushes anyway. And and some of his, he does have um, the two rushing touchdowns on the season too. So like some of his even low end QB2 production has been boistered by the fact that he's been running. And yeah. even though he's not very good at it. Interestingly <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what's scary too, is now he's limited to a 
definitely just in the pocket. Uh, he's not going to have rollouts. All the plays are probably going to be designed inside handoffs and, and quick slants. And like a short yardage Mac Jones is certainly not something that you're interested in. Yeah, and I feel like he he's hit that sophomore slump a little bit through these first two games. Now we got this injury. Um, I don't know. It's not great, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in New England. But their their season is um, not looking very promising at the moment. Uh, with that, we're going to jump into uh, the tier breaker up section of the podcast, which is where we give you a guy that we think is poised to jump a tier this week. Example, a wide receiver two ranking to a wide receiver one or a RB2 ranking to an RB1 wide receiver three to wide receiver two, you know, all that good stuff. You get it. Um, so Matt, why don't you hit me with your first tier breaker up? It's this one's kind of, I guess maybe you could say that he's already in a high tier. Um, but I think it's going to get even higher and that's Devonte Smith. Uh, Smith's coming off a blistering performance in week three. He caught eight of 12 targets for 169 yards and two touchdowns against the commanders finishes the wide receiver one overall and fifth highest scoring player. Um, the only player in the top 10 that wasn't a quarterback other than Khalil Herbert. He had 30.9 PPR points, which was the exact same as Khalil Herbert against the commanders. He gets the Jaguars in week four, um, which is like the Jaguars are low key, a mean defense they've been looking mean mm-hmm. with it. And, but it's also one of those matchups where, you know, I guess, where does the levy break in your mind? Is it the fact like the undefeated Eagles who are arguably the number one offense or functioning offense in the league right now, or, you know, a top 10 defense from the Jaguars. And I'm certainly leaning towards the Eagles in that matchup. Uh, Smith is a hundred percent route participation this season, which is higher than AJ Brown. He has more snaps than AJ Brown. He has uh, one less target in week two and then out targeted Brown in week three after his, you know, goose egg in week one. Um, so I, it's it's very apparent and looking very clear that Jalen Hurts is capable of supporting not one, not two, but even three with Dallas Goddard in the mix and Miles Sanders enjoying a good start to the season as well. That offense is humming and, and Jalen Hurts can support all of these guys. The Jaguars aren't necessarily a defense that I'm fading off of um, when it comes to like matchup dependency, because you know, whether it is a product of Devonte Smith being the elite separator that we know that he is in, you know, continuing his career arc from his phenomenal rookie season that kind of went under the radar uh, because of Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. It, it, if you look at it like he's performing at this level now because AJ Brown is commanding the number one defenders on the opposite side of the sideline, that's fine. Like that doesn't bother me at all. If AJ is going to get double teamed and shadowed by the best defenders in the league. And Smith is going to out target him and catch a hundred for eight passes and 169 yards. Like I'm down. I, I don't really care what the factor of him being as good as he is, is it's the fact that he's doing what he's doing in his second season and is still getting better with an MVP caliber quarterback. So I, I really do think that, you know, right now he's after that big game, he's ranked um, an ECR of wide receiver 22 in PPR scoring. And I I think after this week and a continued upward trajectory for his second year, he's going to be a perennial top 15 ranked wide receiver. I like it. The, uh, that Eagles offense is looking scary, man. It really is terrifying. And I mean, the other side of their, their sideline on the other side of the football, that defense is nasty as well. Yeah. Um, the Bengals just cruise down the field, leading to a Joe Mixon rushing touchdown. Joe Mixon finally finds the end zone. He was due. He gets like 30 damn touches a game. About time he finds the end zone. Uh, my my first tier breaker up here, 
Antonio Gibson of the Washington Commanders. So the Dallas Cowboys have a lethal pass rush led by Michael Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence, and company. Look, they've been giving opposing quarterbacks havoc through the first three weeks of the season, just constant uh, pressure. And the Commanders' offensive line, unfortunately, is not up to par. Um, they're going to have a long day trying to block these guys. They just allowed the Eagles to sack Carson Wentz nine different times in the last game. So how is Washington going to find success against this defense? I believe it's going to be through the ground game. And that's where lead back Antonio Gibson comes in. Look, Saquon and Fournette in weeks one and three combined for over 200 rushing yards against Dallas. With Mixon in the middle being his uh, all inefficient self, he only ran for 57 yards on 19 attempts. But nonetheless, the Dallas defense can be beat on the ground. Antonio Gibson's tied for 15th in the league in rush attempts on the season, tied for 10th in the league with nine red zone opportunities. And while his pass catching appeal has been uh, limited since week one, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some screens drawn up for him to try to negate the Dallas pass rush as well, similar to how we saw Saquon Barkley utilized um, this past Monday night against Dallas. And look, there's always a chance Gibson gets game scripted out a little bit like he did last week with J.D. McKissick coming in when they got blown out by Philly. But this Dallas offense with Cooper Rush leading the way, I don't see a blowout in uh, I don't see blowout potential in this matchup. I think it'll be close. Uh, Gibson has got has been given over 80 percent of Washington's rush attempts, and I think he's a, a sneaky RB1 candidate in this game um, to, uh, you know, against against a Dallas pass rush, maybe try to negate that a little bit with a whole bunch of Antonio Gibson on the ground. Yeah, I agree there. And I think the underlooked narrative too is, is the amount of passing work that he's going to get. Um, and he's done really well with it this season. Finally. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, your, uh, second tier breaker up, Matt. Well, I don't understand how this guy's not ranked as a tight end one every single week now, but it's Tyler Conklin of the jets. Uh, Conklin is other than Kelsey and Andrews who are through the stratosphere right now, Conklin's averaging 12.8 points per game as the tight end three overall. Like he's the number three tight end in fantasy right now. And he's coming in ranked as a tight end 16. And I just, I, I, I really can't, I can't wait any longer. <laughs> it's, it's no longer uh, a waiver wire edition or do I start, you know, Dallas Goddard or Tyler Conklin. It's like, man, if you've picked up Tyler Conklin, you're starting him every single week. He's got a, he has a 16.2% target share, which is 10th in the league right now. And that's mimics his career norm, which he maintained alongside Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, which I've brought up before um, in the preseason pods. W one of the reasons why we liked Conklin as a, um, you know, a late flyer. The matchup yeah. is nice as well. Uh, 11th best matchup for tight ends thus far this season. His opponents, they allow 49.9% over their allotted average, 18.4 points per game. So the Steelers aren't very good um, against defending the tight ends. It's probably a product as well of losing out on TJ Watt and not being able to pressure from the edge like they usually do to force quicker passes. Um, but also it's the return of Zach Wilson. And I know a lot of people are downgrading the receiving weapons because Zach Wilson's coming and it's not going to be checked down city with Joe Flacco. But I actually think that benefits Conklin more than anybody. All preseason we heard was how Conklin and Wilson were looking like they had a, a bit of chemistry and, and they were connecting really well throughout training camp and throughout preseason. And then Conklin comes in and, and is doing what he's doing, playing 100% of the tight end snaps for the Jets and leading the team in route participation from the position as well so it's a byproduct of 
talent and situation. And it appears, you know, Robert Saleh, people forget her. He's from 49ers. So he likes to get the ball through his tight ends. He's familiar with that system. That's kind of an area that they like to work is over the middle of the field. Uh, I think with Garrett Wilson and Elijah handling the outside roles and, and stretching defenders as much as they want down the sidelines, it's going to open up a lot of looks for Conklin with Wilson under center. And he's a huge big bodied tight end with sure hands who leads the tight end position in catch percentage right now. So like, you know, yes, Brees Hall and, and Michael Carter have had incredible target ceilings throughout the season because of Joe Flacco. But I think those targets move a little bit further downfield for the check down, which would inevitably fall into Tyler Conklin's hands. I like it, Matt, especially because it seems like we, uh, we are both on the jets this week because my second tier up is Garrett Wilson. I'm diving right back into the Garrett Wilson bucket this week. Look, he went six for 60 on 10 targets in week three, so not as good of a game as I wanted, but he did see another 10 targets. Joe Flacco struggled a lot um, in the game, and Garrett Wilson missed basically half of the second quarter with an injury um, to his ribs, which he ended up returning from and finishing the game. Now is Zach Wilson returning, like you said, Matt, against Pittsburgh this week. It's time for us to see the actual New York Jets in action, the not Joe Flacco-led Jets. I'm a little worried that uh, Zach Wilson's a bit rusty after um, spending some weeks off, but I I believe in Zach Wilson's talent. He was a second overall pick. We've seen Trevor Lawrence taking a step up this year as the uh, first overall pick um, a year ago, taking one spot ahead of Zach Wilson. And while the Steelers' defense, it's always lauded. It always seems feared, you know, the steel curtain and all that good stuff. But they've been repeatedly beat through the air this season. Uh, Last week, Amari Cooper went 7 for 101 and a touchdown against Pittsburgh. David Njoku, speaking about tight ends, went 9 for 89 and a touchdown, despite it being a tough weather day um, in a short week. In week two, Nelson Aguilar, of all people, six catches, 110 yards and a touchdown. And Jacoby Myers, nine catches for 95 yards. And in week one, Jamar Chase, 10 receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown. That is five pass catchers in three weeks going for at least 89 receiving yards against them. That is a whole lot of fantasy goodness for opposing wide receivers. I think Garrett Wilson is a strong wide receiver too this week, and I'm just going to I'm gonna keep firing him up because especially here with Zach Wilson, I'm a Jets fan, and sometimes I, I could get a little biased because of it, but I don't think this is bias here. I'm just I'm a huge fan of Garrett Wilson's talent, and I think they have a a big opportunity this week against Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, your bias is a little masked by me being in on it too. So <laughs> at least we're on the same page there. So you look like you're being more genuine, but it's true, man. And, and, and again, again, those, that Steeler defense is on paper. Yes. But Minka Fitzpatrick is also questionable um, and hasn't practiced yet this week. I know because I play IDP. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, a Steelers defense with no TJ Watt and no Minka, that is a recipe for high offensive output. Yeah. So the uh, the Dolphins have now traveled down the field and they ended up throwing like a, a fade to Chase Edmonds, who is wide open and he dropped it. So not good. They're going to kick a field goal. But that's the tear breaker up. Next up is tear breaker down. Um, I'll start this one since um, since you started it last time. This is the same as tear breaker up, but the inverse if you RB one is going to be an RB two A wide receiver. One will be a wide receiver two. all that good stuff. You fantasy football players know exactly what we're talking about. So I'm going to start it here with, Ooh, actually, you know, this is, a, this is a little funny, Matt, because you're just talking about how I'm a Jets fan, right? And you're, uh, you're kind of masking it because you're, you're not a Jets fan, but you agree. 
Well, now I'm going to get to your team, the New Orleans Saints. My tier breaker down is Alvin Kamara. Mark me down as officially worried for Alvin Kamara. Uh, The Saints, they're they're just not utilizing him like they did in his glory days and his fantasy prospects are just taking a huge hit because of it. Add on the injury that he's currently batting through, and it's not a very appealing mix and certainly not what people wanted when they were taking him in the second and third round of fantasy drafts. Consider Mark Ingram last week took the carry inside the five and scored a touchdown on it. And this is the guy who's supposed to be the old handcuff to Alvin Kamara, not the guy stealing goal line red zone work. Kamara has just three red zone opportunities on the season, just five total receptions. He used to basically Mm -hmm. average that per game plus with Drew Brees at the helm. Uh, The juice just hasn't been there like it used to. He has a great matchup against Minnesota, which is why he's currently ranked as the 13th overall running back this week. But for me at this point, even in what looks like a terrific matchup, I just can't mark Alvin Kamara down as a RB1 or high-end RB2 until we see something different. I think he's more in that RB20 bucket than he is in that low-end RB1 bucket. So he's my tier here tier down this week because I don't think Alvin Kamara is a bad play, but I do think right now his ceiling is limited until we see something different. And uh, I am a bit worried. But how do you feel about Alvin Kamara, Matt? I'm I'm very worried. I'm very worried about that offense in, in general a little bit right now. And I, I obviously had high hopes for Jameis. And as my favorite team, you know, the resident Saints fan, you're always going to have a little bit more positivity when you're looking through the strength of schedule and like okay we could beat this team we could beat this team looking through it now after three games it's like man the saints might have just given up a top three pick to the eagles to get chris olave and then not have a quarterback to throw him the football for the foreseeable future that's a little bit of a deeper tangent but that's kind of the point that's how worried i am (laughs) yeah when you put it that way it uh (laughs) it certainly raises the worry meter by by quite a bit but matt hit me with your uh your first tier down so we kind of, I kind of pressed it in, in, in the news and notes, but it's Mike Williams. Um, I know when Keenan Allen isn't there, you should feel comfortable starting Mike Williams. So that, that that's a no brainer, right? Well, but when Keenan Allen wasn't there, Mike Williams had one great game. And then last week had one reception on six targets for 15 yards and saved his week with a touchdown and a blowout loss to the Jags. We were talking about how the Jaguars defense is a, a little sneaky, but it's not even really a product of that. Like Justin Herbert is dealing with a rib cartilage fracture and he's not able to push the ball downfield at his usual pace, which leaves Williams to take on a role. He doesn't function in um, as an underneath option, something that Keenan Allen excels at. Josh Palmer had more targets than Williams last week, leading the team in all receivers categories and yeah Keenan Allen is back he's practicing was limited practice and then left early but that could also have just been a maintenance thing if they expect him to play um his target share is going to dwindle or Mike Williams's target share is going to dwindle with Keenan Allen back he has a career target share of 17.2% and is 17.2% on the season. When we saw Williams take that huge leap of, of target opportunities last year early in the season we also saw that meander and level back out to his career norms well he's opened up at his career norm and i don't expect a gigantic leap with a healthy keenan allen in the lineup he just doesn't earn volume at a rapid rate and herbert is capable of spreading the ball around as you saw you know 10 targets through to um three different receivers and then six targets to four different receivers and then in week one there was eight receivers with three targets so herbert spreading the ball around a lot more and with him not being able to 
heave 70 yard bombs into double coverage where Mike Williams can just jump over everybody, fall on his back and haul in the touchdown. It's going to be the Austin Eckler show in the past game. It's going to be the Keenan Allen show and, and apparently a little bit of the Josh Palmer show as well, because those guys are underneath options and, and those guys know how to work kind of in between the seams and know how to beat zone in short routes where Mike Williams doesn't do that and he's never excelled at doing that and it's something that he actually like struggles to do so I think until we see a healthy Justin Herbert or until we know that Keenan Allen is for sure not going to play you can certainly downgrade Mike Williams for the foreseeable future yeah I think it's concerning that last week without Keenan Allen there um, you know Mike Williams caught just one pass that ended up being a touchdown um, so he kind of salvaged his fantasy day a little bit, but just that one reception while Josh Palmer was kind of the star of the show was, was concerning because he's supposed to be the man when, uh, when Keenan Allen is out, but that, that charge offense did not look good last week. Hopefully Justin Herbert, uh, you know, recovers a little bit more and starts slinging it better than they did in that, uh, that pretty embarrassing blowout loss that they had against the Jaguars. <clears throat> uh, my second tier down, Matt is DK Metcalf. Um, after two rough games to start the season, he went just seven for 36 uh, week one without a touchdown, then four for 35 against San Fran in week two without a touchdown, excuse me, against San Fran and then Denver, not uh, the other way around. Metcalf, he finally had a nice game this past week against Atlanta. He saw 12 targets, which is nice to see. Only caught five of those balls, but he did go for 64 yards and a touchdown. And now what looks like a great matchup on paper, again, similar to Alvin Kamara, looks like a great matchup on paper. But against the Lions, TK Metcalf is likely to see a ton of Jeff Okuda. And look, Jeff Okuda has spent the first three weeks of the season blossoming into a shutdown corner that the Lions hoped he would be when they drafted him top 10. He held J. Jeff to just three catches for 14 yards in week three, which is mightily impressive. Um, Terry McLaurin went two for 22 in his coverage in week two. And week one, remember Devontae Smith put up a donut. And now we've seen what Devontae Smith has done these past two weeks dominating. Metcalf is a great wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. Um, and he could go up and get it with the best of them. So he's always a touchdown option. He's always a touchdown threat. But I think he's going to be a big time touchdown or bust option this week against Detroit. I don't see him catching more than like five balls or so. I think it's going to have to be find the end zone or say, damn, I wish I didn't start DK Metcalf this week. How do you feel about I'm, I'm, Metcalf, I'm Matt? Fully, fully in an agreement with that. And I was hoping that you would drop the King's name. And Akuda looks like the best cornerback in the NFL right now. He's like been balling. 100%. He, he legitimately does. And it, it's amazing to see because, you know, it, I just love seeing franchises turn themselves around through the draft. And I don't think the Lions have made a bad draft pick in the last three drafts. They're, they're really figuring out how to, you know, gain draft capital back too, obviously, with the Stafford trade. Um, still win games and put together a really nice team. I'm certainly concerned about DK against that matchup. And there's something... I might be getting a little too deep, but there's something with corners like some corners excel at shutting down really smooth route runners um, and some corners excel at getting leverage on much bigger guys. Like you see Lattimore kind of struggles against the Stefan Diggs of the world, but mm -hmm. you put him up against Mike Evans and there's not a catch to be had on the field. Yeah. Okuda excels at both of those things. And you saw Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin being the big body guy, contested catch guy. So one thing that 
you can guarantee is that he's going to shadow the best receiver on the opposing side of the team. And until we see receivers start to actually beat this kid, it might be a Darrell Revis situation for 2022 where every single receiver that goes up against this guy might be a bench. Damn. Darrell Revis situation is some uh, crazy He's high looking praise. So good, man. He looks so, so good. And his, his snap percentage is through the roof too. So the lions are like, like, Whoever the wide receiver one is, when that guy's on the field, Akuda's on top of him. So he's sitting around like a 90% snap share right now, too. The kid is just an absolute animal. Yeah, he's absolutely balling. Um, there's no denying that. Matt, hit me with your second tier down player of the week. James Conner. Stop ranking this guy in the top 10, top 12, top 15, <laughs> top 20. Like, I'm, I'm done seeing it. James Conner had 16 touchdowns in 2021 and, you know, could barely break the top 10. He's not scoring those touchdowns anymore, and he's not catching passes, which we all knew about. He's averaging three yards per carry in two games. His 30 carries with 90 yards. Um, and that offensive line just looks horrendous. It, it really does. It was bottom ranked to enter the season with some of their, you know, star, quote unquote, veterans getting a little bit older and then some lost pieces as well. And it showed, they've really struggled to move the move the ball effectively between the, the lines. James Conner's RB29 right now. He's averaging 10.9 points per game. The, the front seven of the Carolina Panthers is probably the best part of that team. Like, th that team looks absolutely horrendous, but their front seven and their defense looks just as good as they ever have. They're conceding 20.4 points per game combined to opposing backfields, which is slightly over the average, but just 7.0% over expected average to opponents, which ranks 18th in the league. Well, 7.0% over James Conner's 10.9 points per game gives you 11 points per game. That's Bars. not something that I'm... Yeah, like, that's not what I'm interested in when it comes to you know, what is supposed to be a high upside running back. And I know that Connor was going very high in drafts. So because of the capital that you allocated towards him, you're going to feel like he's a must start option every single week because you probably don't have that slide in RB2. But now that the season is progressing, we're seeing some of those later round picks come up and some of those values even out. So if you do have a pivot where you can put somebody in your flex and say, move Connor out of your RB two slot, that's definitely where I would look to, especially in this matchup. Yeah. You know, I didn't like James Connor during a uh, draft season because last year we were drafting him in the 10th round. Um, and now we, there was upside there. I liked him there. And this year he was a third round pick and you were drafting him, expecting him to do what he did last year. And now this year, He's playing at the level RB29, like you said, basically where he was being drafted last year in like the ninth, 10th round at that level, which is what people expected last season. But then again, he scored all the touchdowns and now he's supposed to be the lead guy, but he's also dealing with injuries and the Cardinals offense has just been struggling and it's just been no matter which way you look at it, it's been rough for the Cardinals offense and for James Conner. And I'm with you, man. It's until uh, unless that offense could pick it up and James Conner starts getting more work because even, you know, Benjamin got a a bunch of rushes last week. Daryl Williams started mixing in more as well. He's definitely a, uh, a tear down candidate for myself as well. And here we go again, agreeing. I hate when we agree. Can't wait. Let's <laughs> oh, see. Let's see how the rest of this goes. We've, see if we've we got one coming. Don't worry, folks. Yeah, Ooh, we've got one coming. <laughs> I like it. Um, Moving on to the matchup of the week, which is exactly what it sounds like a game we're targeting this week. We think has a high flying, potential and all that good stuff so matt why don't you hit me with your uh matchup of the week 
Well, I, I wanted. I know this is kind. Of, we save this for the the Monday pods usually, but I remember both Tim and Mike were not into my Jaguars fantasy options against the Chargers last week, yeah. and I nailed that. So we'll try and hit hit two in a row this time. Um, I'm going Chiefs Bucks, which I guess is a little chalky, <laughs> a little chalky for Chiefs Bucks. But there's two really high profile games. One of them, I mean, one of them's happening right now on Thursday, so three in the week. But there's two really high profile games in my mind on Sunday, and one of them is the Chiefs Bucks. I know the Bucks defense is definitely you know, shut down imposing offenses in the Kansas city struggle against the Colts. Um, but the bucks lost to the Packers and I'm looking for a little bit of a revenge shootout here between two of the best quarterbacks that have ever played the game. I really think that the over is safe, a safe play. I, I like the over it's set at 48. Um, I think for sure these, these teams can score on each other. I think they can expose their defensive matchups because they're oddly familiar with each other as well from a coaching perspective, right? The, these teams, knew that they were going to face each other in the Super Bowl. They did, and they've been game planning against each other to repeat those, you know, matchups ever since. So the NFL has given us a little bit of a treat with a, a interconference uh, kind of Super Bowl preview potentially here. And I, again, I, I know neither one of the teams have looked up to par, but if there's any week when, you know, you can count on those options. I think it's I think it's this week against each other. Um, and yeah, Kansas City's defense hasn't looked the best. Obviously, we saw the the Colts kind of score on them at ease. Uh, Jelani Woods, two touchdowns, shout out. So I think obviously the Bucks are going to be able to put up points. And if you're going to count any quarterback in the league to be able to keep pace, regardless of defensive matchup with the points that are being put up on the board, that's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And I'm waiting for that Chiefs offense to look more like it did week one rather than what it did the weeks two and three. Um, but both teams coming off a loss as well, which you don't hear very often. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes both coming off a loss to play against each other. So that should be fun as well. Right. You said you said you were going chalky. I think I'm going even more chalky. I had to do it, man. The over-under is 51, by far the most on the weekend slate. It's Bills at Ravens, man. This has all the potential of a shootout with the Bills secondary still beat up. Um, on one hand, we got Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Devin Singletary and company. And then on the other side, you got Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews has been the dynamic duo just leading teams to victory each of the last two weeks. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the big play threat, J.K. Dobbins returned last week. He'll likely get a little bit more burned this uh, this weekend. The Bills and Ravens are just like, this is the game I could see being remember that game that we saw well not that we saw the game that was two or three three or four years ago the jared goff versus patrick mahomes rams and chiefs that ended like 40 something to 40 something i think the bills i think the bills defense is a little bit too good for that to happen but something like that happening i would not be entirely surprised I do, do I do specifically remember that game too because they had I think there were five members of that game that finished within the top 10 of scoring that week. So it's one of those games. It's one of those games for sure and and I mean the Bills secondary is quite banged up. We're hoping, you know, I mean, they've lost Hyde for the season. That that's just an unfortunate loss and there's no really filling that hole um, of the best safety in the league, arguably. So the Bills secondary is looking a little rougher. Um, obviously, Miami didn't really have a high 
passing game, so to speak, uh, with mm-hmm. Tua knocked out, but they were able to put up points on them. Obviously, Lamar is going to find a way to score at every level. Mark Andrews looks incredible. You can start Rashad Bateman. Devin Duvernay is looking like he has some upside, even though I've been yeah. very against that. Um, kids proven me wrong, that's for sure. And again, on the on the flip side, like every single one of the relevant Bills options are startable with upside this week. So that that's that's that is the most fantasy friendly game of the weekend for sure chalk of all chalk and i don't care i'm choosing it, oh, anyways. It's worth it before we get to the grand slam smash of the week let me tell you about a grand slam platform no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today you could play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning one hundred fifty thousand dollars plus in cash download the app choose a contest select your player props earn points for correct picks and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day you can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL and uh, even other sports. Once those come back, the NBA, MLB, and all that good stuff. Sign up now with promo code BROTO, B-R-O-T-O, the name you know and love, at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. So make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Jumping into the Grand Slam smash of the week. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you. Basically, the guy who is going to smash, Grand Slam smash, give you week winning numbers. And my, I'm going to jump right into this and start it off because my Grand Slam smash of the week is someone we briefly touched on earlier who I think is ready to turn up this, uh, this week, and that's Justin Jefferson. Because the last two weeks, Justin Jefferson has gone cold. And that is an odd sentence to say because we've really never said Justin Jefferson has gone cold for two weeks in a row. He just went three catches for 14 yards in week three against the uh, previously mentioned Jeffrey Okuda after going just six for 48 in week two against Darius Slay. Even though I mean, it feels two, like like best corners in the league right now. <laughs> yeah, very good cornerbacks. And even though it feels like years ago, Justin Jefferson did catch nine balls for 184 yards and two touchdowns in week one against Green Bay. That actually happened. And this one, this one is simple for me, guys. I would bet big money that Justin Jefferson does not have three straight bad games. Yes, he gets the Saints and Marshawn Lattimore, who's a good defender in his own right. But like Matt said earlier, Lattimore is more of a Mike Evans type of defender, not a Justin Jefferson type of defender. Um, I think. Justin Jefferson will be up for the challenge. I could just, you know, I, I feel it in my loins that Justin Jefferson is going to return to Justin Jefferson form um, this week against the Saints. Yep, that, that's a that's a smash. I mean, you're starting Justin Jefferson, obviously, every single week, but this is yeah. wide receiver, wide receiver one overall territory. And, the, the you know, with those two other corner matchups, and he did have Jair shadowing him in week one as well. So. He can beat good corners. There's not a question about that. And yeah, as we prefaced before, Lattimore is really much more of a physical corner. Uh, He likes getting physical. He likes getting underneath of guys and he knows leverage. Uh, Leverage is his friend. So when receivers get up in his grill and use that leverage against him by essentially like not forcing, you know, contact, he gets a little jumpy. So I love Justin Jefferson this week. I, I legit like top five wide receiver for sure. Guaranteed. Yeah. And like you said, it's a little chalky. Um, he's the number one overall wide receiver in before the season for some. 
uh, we always like to. I always like to go with one high-profile guy and then one lesser-profile guy to be Grand Slam smashes. So let's see who I choose second. But who's your first Grand Slam smash of the week, Matt? I mean, I've even been able to fall into the sleeper category just because he hasn't really ascended with the opportunities that he's gotten. But I think that this week against the Jets is probably the best week for it to happen, and that's Deontay Johnson. Deontay's just earning targets at a ridiculous rate right now. He's has a 32 and a half percent target share, which ranks fourth in the league overall. Uh, Mark Andrews leading the pack with his ridiculous shares that he's put up in Baltimore. And uh, yes, I, I know that the numbers haven't been there. Deontay has, hasn't put up the points per game that we're used to seeing. He's not the perennial wide receiver one that he was last year, but the idea that Deontay wasn't going to have the same workload or the same target share um, because Ben Roethlisberger's dusty arm was no longer in town is a clear myth. Uh, Deontay, it shouldn't be that hard for people to understand that Deontay earns targets at an elite rate because he's always open. He's always open. The man is 7'11". He earns more separation than a divorcee with restraining order. The guy is continuously in the field of play for his quarterbacks, and he's the first read on every single play because of that. They have such high confidence in him that regardless of the route design, Deontay's the first read. And that that kind of plays into a little bit of the, you know, targets are earned, yes, but they're also yeah. earned in the playbook. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it is a, it is a scintillating matchup. The, the Jets have allowed five different receivers um, to put up over... 13 points per game this season. Um, and Deontay is averaging right around 13 points per game. So I think he can certainly leave that ceiling because he's a more talented receiver than some of the, the um, Jets matchups this season. It's definitely going to come down to you need Zach Wilson to be able to put up points on the other side of the ball because we need a high volume target share for, well, we know he has a high volume share, but we need that. We need the Steelers to pass. We need the Steelers to pass, not lean on Najee Harris, so that Deontay can finally kind of break through with that high volume, so to speak, is what I'm trying to say. So we both feel good about the Jets this week. We feel good about the Jets passers this week because we think that Zach Wilson can deliver the ball to them and put up points. If the Steelers have to play from behind at any point in the game, it's going to be the Deontay Johnson show. And I know he's not broken over 80 yet this season, but this is the time. And I think he's going to finally find the end zone as well and potentially multiple times. Interesting. You know, I'm not a this is the first one I'm not going to fully agree with you on Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed have been a very formidable cornerback duo. Um, So I think uh, Deontay may I mean, he'll he'll have his receptions. He'll probably catch at least eight balls like he always does. But I don't know if he's going to have a grand slam smash type of week. What time? I'm I'm glad that we're finally finally disagreeing. But I I I, (laughs) I respectfully decline your disagreement. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, my second Grand Slam smash of the week. I didn't go as deep as I typically do because I just I really like this guy this week and I wanted to shout him out. And that's Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton has been the lone bright spot in the Broncos offense. He went four for 72 in week one, seven for 122 in week two and eight for 97 in week three. Despite the abysmal offense that the Broncos offense has been running out there week after week. Uh, week after week, um, Russ is just two passing touchdowns on the season. Um, that's through three games is 31st in the league in true throw value and is not even completing 60% of his passes either, which has led to just 63 completions in three games, which is disgusting. Good for 21st in the league on 106 attempts, which is 15th in the league. 
Sutton, on the other hand, he's been the wide receiver at 18 in points per game, outscoring his 25th overall rank in true target value, and he's fifth in the league in receiving yards. He's also commanded a 26.4% target share, which is good for 13th in the league, and he's really established himself as the main pass-catching option in that offense. And he's also sixth in the league in true air yards and first in realized true air yards. So Russ is actually hitting Sutton pretty often downfield. Um, and there's been several uh, DPIs drawn as well downfield targeting Sutton. That's basically been a lot of Denver offense being able to move is just throwing it downfield to Cortland Sutton. I expect this connection to go uh, to grow to bigger and better heights as the season progresses and Russ gets a little bit more comfortable in this offense. And look, the Raiders secondary hasn't been bad this season. I think it's overachieving a little bit. And I think this is the week that uh, Cortland Sutton really breaks out and Russell Wilson finds throws multiple touchdowns in the game, maybe even to Cortland Sutton. I think Cortland Sutton could uh, top 100 yards and uh, find the end zone end zone once or twice against against Las Vegas. Yeah, Sutton topped my um, true value report this week for that exact reason. Um, his true air yards is through the roof, but he's also capitalizing on almost every single one of those opportunities with the highest conversion rate and highest um, earth. He has the lowest unrealized air yards of anybody with over 150 passing yards this season. So that that's incredible. He He's absolutely, you know, dominating with efficiency and deep ball efficiency is really hard to come by. And he looks arguably like the best deep threat in the league right now. Yeah. That isn't on the field in Thursday night. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Matt, hit me with your uh, second Grand Slam smash of the week. Going back to the, you know, the the well a little bit with maybe kind of an underlying guy, but I'm into Debo Samuel, man. Um, I, I've been into every receiver against the Rams this season as a bit of a contrarian because Jalen Ramsey has just looked like a shell of, him former, of his former self. Yeah. Uh, we saw the Bills light them up. We saw... You know, the Cardinals, uh, Marquise Brown dominate Jalen Ramsey, even though Ramsey um, shadowed him for 90.2% of Marquise routes that game. I feel really good about Demo Samuel as the wide receiver one in general in San Francisco. I think people are getting a little too low on him um, for the production that he's had. And you know, he hasn't looked like his usual rusher um, of a self, but the 49ers offense is just much bleaker than previously perceived with Jimmy Garoppolo in um, instead of Trey Lance. They had a Pretty terrible collapse in week three in a snooze fest against the Broncos. But Samuel is really looking like the lone factor um, that you want to start every week based on his peripherals. Now, the production hasn't necessarily been there, but he's tied for the team lead with uh, targets in week three, uh, 27.58%. He currently leads the team in all receiving categories. He caught five passes for 73, um, topped all members of the depth chart in opportunity share. So... You know, it's when Kyle Shanahan is forced to revert to his old ways. Now that he doesn't have his dual threat rushing quarterback, it's just going to go back to the previous system that we saw in 2021 that actually catered to Jimmy Garoppolo. And that particular system of quick hitting passes with incredibly low depth of targets is where Samuel thrives. His ability to work in space against opposing defenses amongst the best in the NFL. It's next to none. So I think he's, in for what is going to be a monumental opportunity increase with Jimmy Garoppolo, both in targets and rushing 
um, share. And obviously, Elijah Mitchell is still out. Tyrion Davis Price is still out. Jeff Wilson has looked capable, but has also not taken on a workhorse role, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Samuel is still getting his usual work of rushing opportunities. He's just yet to break one big uh, like he did so many times in 2021. So with his usual work rate, he's already done enough peripherally where you can feel really good based on his opportunity shares, target share, his yards per reception, yards per route run, but just hasn't had the breakthrough touchdown production in the big scoring games that we were used to seeing from a 49ers offense last season. Against the Rams, uh, division rivals with the Rams secondary leaking value like a sieve to everybody that steps on the field i think you can feel really really comfortable about debo samuel as a receiver and as a rusher it's bound to happen we know what he is in the backfield and yeah six carry or five carries for six yards rather isn't obviously a stat line that you should be excited about but the five carries are and the five carries in every game this season is something to be excited about because he's still holding that wide back role in a role that i could see increase now that the game plan is going to move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo every single week rather than having to game plan on a short week with him at quarterback. Yeah. And that's a prime time game too, I believe if I'm not mistaken. So I do think Debo could, uh, could make a splash in that one. Next up is our diamond in the rough, which is our, uh, our two sleeper picks. If you, uh, listened to last week's episode, you heard me and Matt shit on Tim for naming Traylon Burks as his deeper sleeper. We go with like a mid range guy and then more of a deeper guy. <laughs> um, so Matt, why don't you hit us with your first, uh, diamond in the rough of the week? I mean, uh, it's like, I'm going to keep running into this wall until the wall finally breaks. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I already highlighted yes. the Kansas City matchup. <laughs> that I, I, I like that Kansas City matchup. Again, if anybody can keep pace with any other team scoring, it's Patrick Mahomes. And week one, we saw Juju lead the receiving core in snaps, targets, receptions, receiving production, um, but fell second to Travis Kelsey in all of those departments. And then... In week two, we saw Juju with just three receptions for 10 yards at the bottom of the depth chart in participation and targets and production with, you know, McCall Hardman, Justin Watson, um, MVS, all outproducing him in week two. But then in week three, in a matchup where Kansas City was losing the game and had to kind of force feed to the guys that they knew could make plays and help them move the chains downfield towards the end, Juju Smith-Schuster led everybody. He beat Travis Kelsey out with receptions. He beat Travis Kelsey out in yards, in targets, in um, route participation, snap percentage, led everybody on the team, um, or all the receivers, rather. Kelsey did still have a higher snap percentage, but led all of the receivers. So I'm back in to believing that Kansas City's offense is going to function with Juju Smith-Schuster as a wide receiver one. And I think after a dud of a week in week two, um, seeing what he did in week one on a high functioning offense and was kind of just on the wrong side of touchdown variance with Patrick Mahomes throwing five and Juju catching none, but having eight for 79 yards. And then in week three, him leading the entire team in all of those categories and being the absolute wide receiver one he was the first read um when they were working the ball downfield in the first fourth quarter it was juju and then kelsey um so if that continues moving forward where it's less of a wide receiver by committee so to speak um and juju can kind of repeat a trend because you know I, i like to say three games are a trend so we've seen it in two and then one outlier potentially if he can continue that in week three it's wheels up moving forward and certainly a sleeper as you know week two was scary enough for everybody to question whether or not you should start juju smith schuster in your lineups and if you're asking that question i think it's a resounding yes 
Yeah, I rank Juju Smith-Schuster well above consensus. I think he's at like wide receiver 34 or so right now on Fantasy yep. Pros. I put him up to like 21 or, <laughs> 21 or 22 yeah. in my rankings. And the, the thing is with Juju, I think he would be at wide receiver like 20 right now if he caught a touchdown in week one or three. Yes. Agreed. I think people are just like they're seeing the total fantasy points and they're just going like uh, because he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Once that happens, I think he'll start getting people uh get getting back in people's uh, minds as someone who could uh, have a very big season. Uh, my first diamond in the rough. This guy I like a lot this week. He's a little bit deeper than I typically go with my uh, my first diamond in the rough, but it's Isaiah McKenzie. But I chose the. I chose the Ravens and Bills as my game of the week uh, with the 51 over and under. And Isaiah McKenzie gets a dream matchup here against the Ravens coming out of this slot in a massive shootout potential game. The Ravens have just been getting torched out of the slot this season. Um, and really out wide as well. Like the Ravens secondary has just been Swiss cheese for this for the majority of the season. And they just don't they just have not had a good passing defense in any sense of the word. And Josh Allen and the uh, Buffalo Bills passed the ball at a crazy clip. Gabe Davis was banged up last week, played through it, but wasn't he hasn't been demanding the targets that you like to see out of a wide receiver too. Um, and it was Isaiah McKenzie who was the main number two option this past week um, against the Dolphins where he saw nine targets, one for seven receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this game has points written all over it. McKenzie is getting the slot work, and I think he just does... Like he has tremendous flex appeal this week, and I, a lot of people probably didn't start Isaiah McKenzie last week. A lot of people probably won't start Isaiah McKenzie this week. But like, like for instance, my tier down was DK Metcalf. I think there's a pretty high possibility McKenzie outscores Metcalf this week, even though that might sound a little blasphemous. You think I'm going a little too hard, Matt, or what do you think? <laughs> that that does right? sound a little <laughs> blasphemous. But, no, I, I think, you, yeah, the Ravens right now have the highest DVOA to the slot in the league. So um, they are struggling specifically in from that. In a, in a bad way. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. In, in a bad way. The, or the lowest, I guess you could say. But it's it's points allowed, so highest. <laughs> um, to the slot in, in the league right now, it, it's not looking good for that secondary. Um, the lone bright spot in that secondary is kind of a pseudo-shadow cover. And Marlon Humphreys, um, he's also been dealing with some injuries as well. So it's it's looking pretty rough. And you're definitely feeling real confident in that shootout matchup, feeling really confident starting all those pass catchers. And, and flex upside for sure. I mean, I, you can you can almost chalk Isaiah McKenzie in for, you know, four for 50 in this matchup. And with some touchdown upside in a game that's probably going to have each team above 30. Yeah. Yeah, I see where you're going, man. Yeah. All right, Matt, hit me with your uh, your deeper diamond in the rough sleeper. Well, now I think you're going to hate it even more because you didn't like Deontay Johnson. <laughs> it's George Are you Pickens, about to say man. George Pickens? Ayo. I'm about to say George Pickens. <laughs> and, 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 you know, maybe he's uh, maybe he's not the deeper uh, because everybody's got or he's on everybody's radar after making that that insane alien body adjustment, one handed catch. Insanity. And. and Arguably the best regular season catch of all time. OBJ's was a little more on the fingertips, but what Pickens did with his body in that situation to lean away from the ball towards the sidelines to be able to keep his feet in as well. Absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a little bit viral, I, I would say, so to speak. But, uh, you know, this one kind of falls into a bit of what Tim used against us. His roster ship percentage is below 30% right now. 
on ESPN and Yahoo. So that's like, Falling that's off. wild to me. Yeah. And, and one of the things is I think that's kept that so low, which, Hey Tim, if you're listening, that's still 20% below what Traylon Burks was last week. Um, but I think a reason that was Hey-o. so low is because Chase Claypool was kind of getting the wide receiver two targets. Um, Chase Claypool had a decent target percentage leading into week three, um, was number two behind Johnson and snap percentage, route participation, um, all of the usage stats essentially, and then production as well. And then week three happened and George Pickens played more snaps than both of them and had seven targets, which was second behind Deontay and made that catch. And if that isn't the type of catch that gets your coach, you know, more recognition for you to get more playing time when they were already making that transition in a shortened week on Thursday. Um, that That's certainly something to be said. I think Pickens is going to take over Chase Claypool very, very soon. And it hasn't been the most valuable role, but Chase Claypool has been a flex player the, the, in, through three weeks. And, and he's had some decent games and some decent production from that, you know, flex level play. I think Pickens is more talented than Chase Claypool. I think if he gets that opportunity share and that snap share and, and Claypool falls into the third spot with like 68%, like we saw Pickens half during the first two weeks, then his value would drop significantly. I, I don't mind the Steelers pass catchers against the Jets. I Yes, DJ Reed is, is currently uh, 10th in coverage rating per PFF this season, and Sauce Gardner is 18th. So both are looking like very, very good corners. Um, but it's one of those matchups where, again, it, it's kind of a volume play for me here. I, I'm, I know there might be a little bit of a, a lower perceived ceiling uh, for most people, but I feel good about Zach Wilson. It's a correlation play. And I know since you're a DFS and a best ball guy, it, it you're into correlation. It's a correlation play. I think the Jets are going to be able to score against the Steelers. And I think the Steelers are going to have to pass a lot because of it. And seeing what we've seen with the opportunity share um, and how it kind of shifted to Pickens in week three and how Deontay has been dominating, I feel really good about those two guys specifically. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, when, when, when you get this deep as well, when you're choosing between like George Pickens and such, I see the upside here. I'm not a huge George Pickens guy this season, but I do I do see the appeal if this becomes a a miniature shootout low. type of game. I was very low on Pickens in, in general. Um, at, at, you know, at doing my rookie prospect profiling, he didn't really rank that high for me, and obviously a lot of that had to do with the injuries and not having the athletic profile. Um, laid out for us because he didn't test anywhere, didn't even do his own pro day. Um, so, you know, th- those things alone in, in his, his film is very aggressive, but not incredibly um, impressive, <laughs> so to speak. But right now, man, P- Pickens looks like he is every bit of the next Steelers wide receiver. And we've talked about it before. There's one franchise in the NFL that happens to be like wide receiver university, so to speak. Um, and the Steelers are the best team in the NFL at drafting wide receivers. Yeah, that's uh, almost not debatable um, looking at the past several years, um, dating back to like the Heinz Ward era and such. Uh, my uh, my second diamond in the rough, a little bit of a, a deeper play, Richie James of the New York Giants. Richie, this is just more of a volume a volume play here. Richie James has the second most targets of all Giants players outside of Sterling Shepard, who is now out for the entire season. Kadarius Tony and Wandell Robinson are both hurt, um, unlikely to play this weekend. And Kenny Galladay looks like the worst wide receiver in the league. Enter Richie James as the only healthy pass catching option for the Giants outside of like David Sills. And I know it's a tough matchup against Chicago, 
Uh, one with questionable upside, I'd say, yes. But once you get to this level of a player in these deeper leagues, um, uh, this like wide receiver 50 to 60 area, I think Richie James stands out a little bit, especially in PPR leagues as someone who could uh, have a little bit of a, a decent game. Seven plus targets is enticing. I think he'll he'll see that against Chicago. He already has two games this season of over 50 receiving yards. So it's not like he's a complete waste or like he's been a complete waste. Um, he's been pretty involved in the offense. His, this past week against Dallas was his first game without over 50 receiving yards. And now it looks like he's going to be on the field a whole bunch. So I'm not overly excited about Richie James, but if you're in a deep league or and you're trying to find someone on the waiver wire to plug and play, I think Richie James has some appeal. I didn't even know that, like, I didn't read over the notes and I did not, not know that Richie James was the name you were going to drop. And I love it. I <laughs> <Nice>. love it. <laughs> Who's your, uh, your deeper diamond in the rough, Matt? Wait, Pickens. We're oh, the, wow. I just we, pulled uh, a going, Tim. You pulled a Tim? I pulled a Tim. Yeah. But Damn, I, I, mean, I thought I was going to go That's the, the dual time. hosting duties. It's true. You know, I'm trying to read my I'll notes while also hosting. I appreciate it. Tim doesn't get the uh, excuses, but I get it. I'll take it. Oh, he's a vet. Uh, so that's true. Uh, now we're moving on to the uh, the bench warmer of the week, which is someone you uh, you probably want to put on your bench this week, or it's kind of like a more intense tear down. Someone who uh, who you don't think is going to play very well this week. Um, I'll kick it off. I would not have thought this guy was would be in my bench warmer of the week section going into week four of the year about four weeks ago but i have to do it and it's baker mayfield uh excuse me it's dj moore <laughs> baker mayfield <laughs> because is of making yes because of baker mayfield baker mayfield is just really making his best effort to destroy dj moore um to open the season the always consistent wide receiver to dj moore has gone three for 43 without a touchdown Funny enough, three for 43 again in week two with a touchdown and then one catch for two yards in week three. And in each game, he saw only six targets. Baker Mayfield has looked awful the entire season. He's made CMC and DJ Moore normal players that you can't count on for upper echelon fantasy scoring. And now the Panthers get the Cardinals this week, meaning DJ Moore is likely to see a decent chunk of Byron Murphy who's no walk in the park either. He just held Cooper Cup to less than uh, 50 receiving yards this past week, which is a very, very difficult task um, to do. As we know, Cooper Cup has been the best receiver in the league for over a year now. So DJ Moore is just someone I'm like, knowing DJ Moore, he's probably just going to go off this week. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But at this point, he's someone that is just like, I don't know how you could really trust him in your starting lineup. Well, the, Based on who's available, of course, maybe you have to play him. He was a high draft capital guy, but right now DJ Moore is just on a a really negative path downwards with Baker at QB, and I don't know, man. I'm not really liking the outlook this week against Arizona. How are you feeling about DJ Moore? I almost think that this is the bounce back game. Like I, yeah. I kind of, I, well, I mean, as a dynasty guy, I'm really hoping that it is. Cause I need to sell as soon as possible because that <laughs> value is just going through the floor, man. Um, no, but I, I kind of, I kind of feel like this is the one, the one game like that. You can, you can feel a little bit better about DJ Moore. Um, but after watching Byron Murphy kind of 
do what he did to Cooper Cup and knowing that the Buda Baker shadow is just or uh, the shell is just over top of that as well when Byron doesn't keep up. That's very intimidating for somebody that was absolutely locked down by lockdown Lattimore in uh, week three. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah, it's uh, not a great spot for DJ Moore. Who's your first bench warmer of the week? I'm going to actually just like switch the order because now that I'm going second, you and I are going to have a, a, a nice little uh, bleed into one another. Uh, I yes, I know where so, this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so my first um, bench warmer of the week is Cam Akers. Uh, Cam Akers has kind of been down bad this season, man. And I know people are like, well, what? He, he's trending up. He had a 42% snap share to um, Henderson's 43% in week two, and then out snapped Henderson in week three and 62 yards and 61 yards in both games found the end zone in week three, uh, you know, 15 carries, 12 carries four in the red zone in each game. I know that people are looking at those usage stats saying it's trending up, but then that kind of ended as well with a costly lost fumble. Um, if Cam Akers is back in McVeigh's doghouse, then you saw what happens in week one with Cam Akers on a limited snap share. Henderson looked, it has looked equally as bad, but as much as Sean McVay has run the hot hand and used workhorses in his past, that is very much a backfield by committee, a backfield by committee with two highly ineffective dudes. One of them that just does not look the same after the Achilles tear that he suffered um, last season. And it's, it's not, it's not the best matchup. uh, That's for sure, but it's not like the worst one on paper. So I don't want to get too much into the D stats there, but generally cam Akers has not been effective, even with his little bit of a increased run here that he's had in, in the last two weeks. He's just, he's averaging 3.8 yards per touch and 3.2 yards per carry. Um, he's evaded only seven tackles this season, which all of those things rank in the bottom 50 of running backs in the NFL. That offensive line has also taken a big step back without Andrew Whitworth there. Um, that's what happens when a Hall of Fame plug-and-play tackle leaves your offensive unit. And Stafford's yeah. been getting a lot more pressure, but those checkdowns are de facto Cooper Cup's targets. Like, Cam Akers hasn't been seeing the target share that we thought he was capable of. The Obviously, the opportunity share isn't there because Henderson's going to continue to vulture that. And it's just a product of his inefficiency. I, I know that, you know, people are going to lean on the he's looked better than he did in the playoffs with the Achilles and maybe he's trending up, but seeing what James Robinson is doing and knowing the type of player that Cam Akers is, and I've highlighted it many times on the podcast before knowing how ridiculously inefficient he was before the Achilles tear. I think it's kind of safe and it's really unfortunate, but Cam Akers is an low end middling RB two on a week-to-week basis, and I don't even think he really holds RB1 ceiling anymore. See, I feel like this is the week that Cam Akers, similar how you think this is the week DJ Moore <laughs> maybe turns up, I think this is the week maybe Cam Akers turns up. So a little bit, of, a little bit about, of friction here. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I, the fumble, I did mention the fumble, but after that fumble, he snaps to Henderson's snap share increased to 21 after that. So <laughs> 10 snaps after the fumble, Henderson 21. I'm worried he might be in that doghouse again. I hear you. Uh, my second bench warmer of the week is a guy who is actually in the top 10 of his position in both snap share and opportunity share, but 
He's been slacking, and it's Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders. He's just been so mediocre. In week one, 10 rushes, 57 rushing yards, one catch for 16 yards for 7.8 fantasy points, half PPR. In week two, 19 rush attempts, 69 yards, one catch, 12 yards, only 8.6 fantasy points. And then this past week against Tennessee, 13 rush attempts, 66 yards, five targets, five receptions, and 31 yards for 12.2 fantasy points. He's just been a mediocre flex play, and that's what you get from Josh Jacobs, except now he has to go up against a Denver Broncos defense that has held opposing running backs to just 78 rushing yards per game on the season. The the uh, the Raiders are 0-3, and they're really... I'm not of the... like. I think it's crazy that the Raiders opened this... Uh, this weekend as a favorite against Denver. Like, I don't think you know, that's, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's going to be like, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Like, I don't think this is a Raiders bounce back, prove that they could win games game. I think this is a, uh Oh, Raiders are Owen four. What should they do yep. this season game? Agreed. Um, and I don't think this it's that spells a lot of good work for Josh Jacobs here in this matchup. I think he'll get his carries, yes, but he if he doesn't find the end zone, which he hasn't yet this season, he's just gonna get you another like seven to nine points, and he's not gonna have much of an impact on you winning your matchup. So he's someone I'm just like if I can, let maybe he's in your flex. Maybe you could go with a different higher upside uh wide receiver option in that area, maybe like a Juju Smith Schuster or something like that. Um, you know, if you're in the discord, patreon.com slash brutal fantasy, you could hit us up with these start sick questions, of course. Um, so go sign up for that if you haven't yet. But yeah, Josh Jacobs, similar to DJ Moore is just two guys who typically you think of them as every week starters. I'm just not very excited about in week four. So Matt, why don't you yep. hit me with your final, uh, Let's your final it. bench All warmer right. of the week. I already here we know go. because this note I did read <laughs> that you're not going to agree with me here, but it, it's Trevor Lawrence, man. And I know people are going to have a little bit of reverence. It's, he's the QB 10. He's averaging 19.4 points per game, 69.4% completion percentage. He looks terrific. He looks every bit as confident and comfortable as a generational first overall quarterback should. But none of those games were against Darius Slay and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are the absolute worst matchup in the NFL right now for quarterback play from both a passing and rushing perspective. They rank 31st for passers, averaging minus 54.9% under their average and 32nd for rushers. And they are only averaging 1.7 points per game to rushing quarterbacks. Now, I know Lawrence doesn't have the highest rushing upside ceiling, but it's something he's very capable of. And he's had, you know, five carries per game. And he's looking like he can, you know, kind of um, support a little bit of a higher floor with those 30 rushing yards per game. But against the Eagles, it's going to be really difficult. We mentioned it earlier. They put the hurting on um, Carson or um, yeah, Carson Wentz sacked him nine times. And the Jaguars' offensive line has looked very good, but against not very good defensive fronts in, in the Commanders in Week 1, the Chargers without Joey Bosa in Week 3, and then, of course, their um, dominant blowout win of the Colts in Week 2 um, that Shaq Leonard did not play in. So Trevor Lawrence has never faced pressure like this um, at the NFL level with Jordan Davis anchoring the center and, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles defense leading the league in sacks per game right now. And as you know, we mentioned with Akuda and, and Slay in the same vein, those are the, 
Darius Slay is the best cornerback in the league right now. It's not Jalen Ramsey. It's not Marshawn and Lattimore. It's Darius Slay. And I, I think he was robbed a defensive player of the year last year. And he's making his case to be it this year as well. It's going to be real, real tough sledding um, for the Jacksonville offense. And the Eagles are kind of susceptible to the run right now. They're ranked 13th in rushing yards allowed. And James Robinson and Travis Etienne last week with, looked really good with his explosiveness and limited touches. But James Robinson has looked absolutely phenomenal. RB3 on the season, um, over 100 rushing yards last week, has had a touchdown in every single game. He's back. I mean, it's like he never left. It's like that kid never suffered an Achilles injury. And I was obviously very low on Robinson, and I've – you know, eaten the dust before, and I will continue to do it because I'm very happy to see him come back the way that he has. And the, the Jacksonville defense is the nastiest part of that team, um, as I've said a couple times er, earlier on this pod. So the Eagles and the Jaguars might just run the football at each other <laughs> for four quarters and kind of, you know, I, you can probably take the under in that game. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Lawrence. And again, it was why I was so excited about the Chargers matchup. If he can do it against a good defense, then I feel really good about Trevor Lawrence, but I'm going to need to see it for one more week against the best defense in the NFL right now, better than the bills. Um, before I feel like I can set it and forget it with him as my starting quarterback. So the reason Matt ended with Trevor Lawrence is because I'm about to talk about Trevor Lawrence, but before that dude, Tua Tagovailoa is very hurt. He's so rocked, man. So no, but he just, kind of he just the- like really, I like prayers to Tua because this dude just went down really, really hard on his back slash neck. And then his like hands just like froze up near his helmet. Kind of like how like when fighters get knocked out, it does. It really yep. looks bad. Well, man, that this is so OK. Now, you know, we are watching the Thursday pod and I know the game's going to be over by the time we upload, but it's always good to kind of look back on these things as well. The NFLPA immediately opened an audit against the NFL after they allowed Tua yeah. to come back in that game. The, ga- the game didn't even finish before the lawsuit was sent through. So the NFLPA yeah. wants the, the NFL to audit their entire concussion protocol system in season right now because they allowed Tua to go back in that game saying it was a back injury. When... 180 million people saw that kid get knocked out cold live. And now watching the game on Thursday night, another bad hit, another frozen limb situation, chicken legs. Like this time, he didn't even, point, they, man, they just, they just pulled out a stretcher. He's not even getting up. He's still laying on the ground for minutes. This is so this brutal. Is a bad situation. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. So Prayers up to Tua. Shout out to Tua and prayers up to him. And I hope yeah. the NFLPA gets that case rolling as soon as possible because it was very obvious that he should have never been allowed in that game nor to play this one. Yeah. So back to uh, <clears throat> focusing on the podcast. We're jumping into streamers of the week, quarterbacks and tight ends you can stream this week. Matt had his has Trevor Lawrence as a bench warmer. I have Trevor Lawrence as my streamer of the week. And here is why. The quarterback position for fantasy football is has kind of turned into like the tight end position this season. Like if you don't have a top tier guy, the back end quarterback ones have been atrocious. Like Kirk Cousins has been terrible. He's the t- he's the quarterback eight right now in expert consensus rankings. Justin Herbert is hurt, played terrible last year. He's seventh. Uh, Tua, who's only had that one big game and now he just got hurt, was eighth. Russell Wilson, who's been atrocious, is 10th. Tom Brady, who's been equally atrocious, is 11th. Derek Carr, who was an awful matchup against Denver and has also been bad, is 12th. Like, none of these guys, 
these are all ranked inside the QB one bucket. And none of these guys stand out as having real like big time potential this week. Maybe Russ, if he's able to pull it together, I kind of like him this week, but then you get Trevor Lawrence here mixed into this bucket bucket. Um, ECR of QB 17. I have a QB 13. And the reason I like him a little bit more than others this week is that, look, he just played very, very well against the Chargers this past week. And that's a mighty tough defense to play against, too. Prior to that, he played very well against Indy. Um, this is back to back top 12 quarterback finishes. And like you said, Matt, the Philly defense has been lethal, a number one defense in the game thus far. But if they put up points, Trevor Lawrence may be able to may be forced to throw. And even if he doesn't have a good game, we could see his first 300 plus yard passing game of the year. Maybe throw for a couple touchdowns, maybe run a little bit. He is yet to really use his legs this season. He only has 22 rushing yards on the season, um, not running as much as he did um, his rookie season. So I, I just think when you're looking at this bucket of quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, yes, he could bust and really screw you over. But if you're streaming quarterbacks, you could say that for almost anyone in that streaming bucket. I just think he yeah. has a, a lot of upside here if he continues to grow from what we saw these last couple of weeks um, where he really has dominated over the last couple of weeks in his second season, meshing with Zay Jones um, and uh, Christian Kirk and company. So I'm with you. He's he's risky. I'm not I'm not denying that. But I think the <laughs> the upside based on the quarterback bucket that he's in this week, I'm willing to take that shot. So with and that, I would be. I would be remiss without saying the fact, you know, to shout out the app that Trevor Lawrence is currently QB four in true throw value right now. Glorious. So the, if the volume is there, like you're thinking, then the value behind the targets are certainly there. Yeah. So we'll see. This is definitely is a, his most daunting matchup yet though, going in. Yeah. uh, It's do it it to prove it time for sure. Do it to prove it. So hit me with your quarterback streamer of the week, Matt. Well, since I'm, you know, leading off with true throw value, I want to say that Marcus Mariota right now is QB six in true throw value. He's ahead of Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, just behind Patrick Mahomes by a very minuscule amount, uh, just a couple decimal points. Um, And we were all, you know, talking about the late round Konami code quarterbacks that you can kind of sneak out of every single fantasy draft. And I think we all forgot that Marcus Mariota is fits that mold. Um, He's looked very good uh, to begin the season. And and like I prefaced with, it's not just a product of his rushing ability, which yes, he's led the team or led the team in rushing in week two. I believe it was, we had 79 yards week three, a little bit of fallback there, Um, but he supported Drake London. He's starting to feed Kyle Pitts a little more now that Arthur Smith is getting his head out of his ass and and realizing like, Oh, I have a unicorn um, on my team. I have two of them. Maybe I should try to get both of them targets. So Mariota's got two very capable weapons that are both really strong after the catch. Um, So he doesn't have to be this incredible deep threat, accurate guy to be able to put up numbers. Um, And obviously that rushing floor isn't going anywhere. It, It remained on the bench in Vegas all those years. And Marcus Mariota looks like he's a very capable low end QB one with the right matchup. And I think this is a pretty good matchup for him. Um, Atlanta's playing the Browns, which have had a kind of up and down sort of defensive um, identity throughout the season, but they haven't been 
a team that you are afraid to start your players against and, and especially quarterbacks. The Browns are allowing the 13th most rushing yards to quarterbacks this season. Um, obviously a product of that being, you know, their holes in the secondary um, and their, their strong offensive front four, front seven. But Mariota with London, with Pitts, I think it's, it's a matchup that probably won't yield a lot of points, um, but Patterson is going to be the focus of that defense. And as I said, that that front seven is good, and, and they're very good at stopping the run. Um, and Patterson hasn't really had the targets that we were hoping as well with his hybrid role that he was showing last season. So I guess Sleeper was right by removing his wide receiver designation um, because he's very much the running back one and, and had a limited target share um, with London and now Pitts, hopefully continuing uh, to dominate those opportunities. Mariota is somebody that you're going to feel risky about anytime you put him in your lineups, but this is a good week and he's been QB one. He's had QB one games already. Um, so he's, as Mike said, he's kind of in that territory where right around those QB 10 to QB 15 is everybody's kind of putting up the same production. And that production isn't necessarily league breaking week winning. Um, but with his rushing floor and his receiving options and the Brown secondary allowing everybody and their grandmother to eat against them, um, I'm feeling pretty good about Marcus Mariota for a two thirty-five two touchdown game with, with a little bit of rushing upside there too. Yeah. I like it. Um, especially Mariota set like a decent floor for himself as well. So you could count on him not to completely shit the bed for you. I think, and I certainly think he does have a little bit of a, a little bit of upside as well. Um, gonna, going into the tight end streamers, my tight end streamer of the week, Robert Tunyon um, of the Green Bay Packers. Week one, Robert Tunyon saw 36% of snaps at a 12.8% target share. Week two, 40% of snaps, 8% target share. And then week three, 58% of snaps and a 20% target share. When we are looking at the tight end position, that's all I really care about for the most part when you're streaming tight ends because these tight ends suck outside the big three or four, <laughs> especially this season. Like it has been abysmal. The Hunter Henry's of the world, the Dawson Knox's of the world, those guys have just kind of fallen off the cliffs and they're unreliable. And Mike you got Isicki, wow. Yeah, Mike Asicki. And then you got Robert Tunyon. Um, Robert Tunyon has saw seven targets this past week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, six catches, 37 yards recovering from that ACL injury and playing more and more each week, which you like to see. Um, Al Lazard is banged up. Uh, Sammy Watkins is on IR. They get New England this week, who just got worked by Mark Andrews, but everyone gets worked by Mark Andrews. Uh, Pat Farmuth caught a touchdown against them the week prior as well. Look, obviously, when you're streaming tight ends, there is a zero floor, and the same goes for Robert Tunyon. But I think Robert Tunney might be the guy that uh, has a solid game this week. And then he's the one who uh, people are going after on the waiver wire saying, oh, let me go get Robert Tunney because I'm in need of a tight end. So Robert Tunney is my uh, my tight end streamer of the week. Matt, yeah, hit me he, with your. I know I, I, I like Robert Tunney and that was going to be mine until I, you know, Mike kind of jumped the gun and, and, and got his list out first. So I, I'm. Me and Mike are agreeing a little too much for my comfort this podcast, but yeah, yeah right. Tunyon's, a, Tunyon's a really good streamer. And, and for the same reason, I'm going to open up that book um, on David and Joku. It's, you know, like Mike said, is really all you're looking for is the guy's on the field and he's getting targets in that streamer area. And, and Joku had a really rough start to the 
2022 season. Um, week one saw one target, one reception, seven yards. Week two, five targets, three receptions, 32. Um, played 87% of the snaps and 100% of the snaps in those two games, respectively. But and then week three against Pittsburgh, and, and also why we like Ty Conklin, uh, he caught nine targets or nine receptions on 10 targets for one touchdown, 89 yards, 46 air yards. It was the tight end two in PPR scoring 23.9 points. Um, and on the season right now, Njoku has an 18.2% target share, which is seventh among all tight ends. Um, 12th overall in targets he has a 91.2 snap share on the season which is tight end four and so one of the other things that i kind of like to add to this streamer territory when i'm looking at tight ends is are they utilized as a receiver outside of traditional um 11 personnel snaps and Injoku is right now he has 37 slot snaps on the season with which is eighth overall for all tight ends and he's kind of up there in that range of guys like you know those tight ends that have all of those slot snaps are guys like Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, um, all of those names kind of sit in the top 10. So the, the receiving tight ends, um, guys that are utilized as wide receivers when the wide receiver two takes a break. Um, and in Cleveland, he is the wide receiver too. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a good high target uh, opportunity in week one and then disappeared in week two and was absolutely you know, lost in week three. Uh, Amari Cooper is feasting out there in those last two weeks. And the guy alongside him playing most of the snaps and running most of the routes is David Njoku. And yeah, it's, it's a definitely a good matchup for tight ends. It might not be the best, but we're looking at streamers here and we're, we really want guys that have touchdown upside, which obviously he does and are getting a decent amount of the team's opportunities in general. And obviously he's getting a higher amount than league average. So I think Njoku, not only as a streamer, but I think he could have just as easily been in my tier breakers up this week where he, with the tight end landscape being the way that it is. And a lot of the tight end ones um, last season are now below tight end 15 in points per game. You're going to start seeing Njoku ranked properly. And, and I think with his opportunity share and, and the production that's, starting to follow he's a tight end one yeah i like it um i'm interested to see if the browns continue his involvement in the offense after the big week in week three they said it might be that's the issue they said something like oh you know it, week to week it may change based on how we want to use him um but with the tight end position i'd be willing to take the shot on Njoku after the uh the impressive week three performance with that being said we are now jumping into the next segment of our podcast, the patron start sit question. So this is where if you are a patron, you get My to ask us start sit questions and we answer it live on the air. Um, sign up at patreon.com slash fantasy to join the discord and get into this section of the um, podcast yourself. So ready to go, Matt? Yep. Let's do it. First question from Kai TJ. <clears throat> Full PPR, Curtis Samuel, Kareem Hunt, or Hollywood, and one of the wide receivers if Keenan Allen doesn't play. For me, it's Samuel and Hollywood. It's it's Hollywood over Keenan Allen, even. <laughs> like um, I play but, Hollywood, yes. Um, yeah, if Keenan Allen's yeah. out, Hollywood and Curtis Samuel over Hunt. Yep, yep, Hunt, yeah. I mean, we all wanted to see Kareem Hunt continue that, his wide receiver two role for the Browns, so to speak, um, with their depth chart looking the way that it was and it's just the nick chubb show it's way less of a committee than it's ever been with um kareem hunt being in cleveland it is yeah. way less of a committee than it's ever been so it's it's the nick chubb show right now and, and hunt isn't even really seeing his usual target share so i feel much more confident with curtis samuel being as hot as he is leading everybody on the team in every category and hollywood brown like 
Hollywood Brown will be my tear breaker up every single week if I didn't change it up. So it's like just start ranking this guy properly. He's a top twelve receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question is from Nolan. Assuming Swift is out, I need an RB two and half PPR. Zeke, ETN, or JD McKissick for me. This is pretty easy too. I'm going with Zeke of this bunch. You know. Yeah, I, I would love to be able to say ETN at this juncture in the season. Obviously, my preseason predictions would have indicated that I would have been right if I could say that, but I can't. It's it's Zeke over ETN for sure. Yeah. From Kai again, um, Kai, TJ, Pollard or Miles Sanders, half PPR. Um, I'm going with Sanders there. Sanders, Sanders as well. has been uh, yeah. great. Next up is from Brandon underscore C. Oh, he, and he involved he involved a Thursday player, T. Higgins or Hollywood. I have T. Higgins ranked higher this week. Um, I would have, I would have started T. So I, I hope that you he, did. But if you, he did, just caught a sixty-yard touchdown. That is T. Higgins. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I I would have definitely started T over Hollywood. If, but also, what kind of lineup do you got that Hollywood's like not even a flex player for you? <laughs> yeah, right. T or Hollywood? Hot damn. Um, next one is from Gary Romeo Dubs or Josh Palmer. Full PPR. That's a tough one. If Keenan Allen right now, it looks like Keenan Allen is probably going to play. If he doesn't, it's a lot tougher. I'd think I, uh, I think I'd give Romeo dubs another shot this week after seeing him so involved last week. How you feel Matt? There might be a little bit of like game theory involved here. I just want to check the the timings of the game. Okay, no. So they both play morning games. So you would have to obviously make that decision. You wouldn't have the extended window. Um, so yeah, Keenan Allen is on track to play. Um, Justin Herbert is on track to be a little bit healthier. <laughs> you would hope. Um, so yeah. I, I do. Yeah. Josh Palmer is a, a definitely a riskier play there. And you would also have to wait until the last minute to feel confident about it, knowing if Keenan is going to play or not. So I would make the pivot. Uh, Brandon underscore C Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson full PPR at this point. I think it has to be Garrett oh. Wilson. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're, it, that's so tough. I love those players, but I, you can't you can't justifiably rank more ahead of Wilson any longer. Yeah, not from what we've seen. Um, Gary, another Elijah Moore question says Elijah Moore or Romeo Dubs full PPR. I think I'd give Elijah Moore one more shot here over Romeo yep. Dubs. Yep. Yep. Alexander Alexander the Great asked if Dalvin Cook is out. He practiced in full, so it's not seeming that way. Um, Dobbins. Oh, actually, if Cook plays, let's assume he plays. He needs to pick two out of in full PBR out of Elijah Moore, J.K. Dobbins, Jeff Wilson, and Melgo. Or he put G. Wilson. Maybe that's Garrett Wilson. I mean, honestly, if it's Garrett Wilson, I'd probably go Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson over Dobbins or Melgo, right? Even though they're both Jets receivers. Yeah. You're well, I mean, you're kind of covering both avenues there. Then I don't hate those strategies of playing two guys, knowing that it's like, okay, I'll lock in 30 points into my lineup. Maybe one gets 20 and one gets 10, but it's 30 points in your lineup. JK, I'm going to take the same stance that I took last week. Um, would like to see him ramp into his opportunity share that we're projecting rather than having a split backfield with Justice Hill and company. Yeah. So that seems like it's one more week as well. You kind of have to wait on him to get that closer to 70% opportunity share that they're projecting him for um once he is fully healthy I, I i'm not opposed to starting both jets wide receivers here and then obviously dalvin yeah and he also asks if uh keenan is out greg dorch deandre carter or jerry judy if if rondell Moore plays judy. i probably wouldn't play um dorch yeah i'd give jerry judy one more shot even though he's been uh, a little underwhelming gary asks 
start one QB, Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, Marcus Mariota, or Jared Goff? Fun. So we got Lawrence <laughs> and Mariota. One of Lawrence or Mariota is my Mariota. choice. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, flip a coin there. I, I'm yeah. obviously going to lean Mariota. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, Kai TJ asks Cordero Patterson, Jamal Williams, or Miles Sanders. That's a nice problem to have. I think if DeAndre Swift is out, it has to be Jamal Williams. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. That's exactly what it, I mean. And you can kind of wait because I just looked at the schedule. You can kind of wait to figure that one out. Um, if Swift doesn't play, it's Jamal Williams. And I'm leaning a little bit of Patterson over Sanders. Yeah, I agree. I think Patterson uh, greater than Sanders as well. Johnny asks Juju or Curtis Samuel half PPR. I'm giving the edge to Juju, even though Curtis Samuel has been so good. Yep. Me too. Me too. It's risk. You know, you can, you can come at me on Twitter if I get it wrong, but Juju. Yeah. Uh, the bearded bastard says George Kittle or Tyler Higby in PPR. You know, this shouldn't be a question, but it is a question wow. and it's a question it that is, is more difficult than it should be. Tyler Higby has been a huge part of that offense ever since Allen Robinson's dust self joined the team. Um, And George Kittle now, especially with the offensive line injuries, George Kittle may be asked to block a little more. Um, I'd give Kittle one more shot this week before I start playing Tyler Higby over him. He was also the last week was his first game back. So of the two, I'm going George Kittle over Tyler Higby, but it, it is closer than it should be. What do you think, Matt? It's way closer than it should be. And it's funny because they, they play each other on Monday night. So one way or the other, you're waiting for those points to come in and sweating it out the whole time. Um, Well, that being said, that could kind of play into a little bit of game theory there as well. If you need the, I think Kittle has the higher ceiling, um, even though Higby has had a better target share, um, but Higby has a safer floor, like Kittle's floor. We've seen him score two points because he spends. 99.9% 99.9% of his snaps blocking. Um, and that was one of the funnier things that was picked up on that Kelsey podcast. Uh, they were talking about the best tight ends in the league and, and Kelsey, Travis Kelsey and Jason um, said that it's George Kittle. George Kittle's the man. And then they're like, but he just doesn't get enough passing opportunities. And then Jason was like, yeah, well, if he just wasn't such a good fucking blocker, like, hey, Kittle, how about you block less <laughs> and you'll get more yeah, passing right. work. So that's, that's kind of where it is. I think Higby has a safer floor right now, which is something that I don't think I would have ever have said. Um, but his target share seems super solid. Yeah. Um, next up, Nick Lovin asks, got to start two in full PPR. Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, Tony Pollard. If Swift, if Swift is active, would it be crazy to start both together? I feel like Swift, at this point, it seems like there's no way he's active. Right. I think it's pretty yeah, clear. At this I, I kind point of that he's not going to play. Um, I mean, I think it might be multiple weeks, man. So, yeah. So I'm going Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara and sitting Tony Pollard. I'd give Kamara the benefit yep. of the doubt here um, and play him over Pollard. Jake from IT um, asks Garrett Wilson, Hunter Renfro, Isaiah McKenzie, Corey Davis. I mean, it has to be Garrett Wilson there, right? Yeah. I mean, Renfro's kind of on the fence of even being able to suit up. So it would probably be Garrett Wilson over Hunter, a uh, completely healthy Hunter Renfro with the way that that, all, that Raiders offense has been allocating targets lately. It's just a very, very strange distribution of passing opportunities. Yeah. So the, the Dolphins lose Tua, and then Teddy Bridgewater steps in and leads them to a touchdown with nine seconds in the half. Chase Edmonds finds the end zone again. Jake from IT also asks Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny. Um, I'm sticking with Rashad Penny for now in half PPR. 
I'm giving. Yeah, Penny. I mean, you're not feeling yeah. very good about starting either one of those, but Penny for one more week. Uh, I don't think Kenneth Walker's necessarily prepared to overtake that backfield by any means. Yeah, and then Dobbins, Patterson, or Penny. I think that's clearly Cordero Patterson, right? Cordero. Yeah. Uh, Nita flex and half PPR. This guy, apparently Gary has the best team on earth because for his flex, he needs either Amon Ra, Kamara, Antonio Gibson, Brees Hall, or Chris Olave. I mean, obviously it's Amon Ra, but geez, Louise, bro. Good work. Uh, Amon Ra's it's, I would actually, yeah, it's Amon Ra and then probably Olave for me. I would even Olave over Kamara sounds like such a crazy, crazy blasphemous thing, but it should I think be. I'd go Gibson before Olave, but uh, that's you. fair. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's Amon Ra, uh, another questionable to play, but it's trending upward. Yeah. Uh, big Willie style 604 says, would you start Herbert and or Madison over Penny and Singletary? Um, well, David Montgomery looks like he's not going to play at the moment or at least be questionable. So I'd put Herbert over Madison. Um, if Dalvin Cook is active, I'm not playing Madison, but I would. Even if Montgomery's active, I think I'd take the shot playing Herbert over Penny. Over Madison? Over Penny. Oh, OK. I, I think I'd take that upside shot either way, assuming Montgomery's not at full speed. But I don't know if I'd play him over Singletary. How do you feel? Yeah. I mean, I'd play yeah, I'd play Herbert over Singletary if Montgomery's to... out. But yes, there you go. It, it's that's exactly where my head was going with that. It's hard to bench Devin Singletary at this point, man. It's kind of crazy. Um, you know, it, it was six weeks to end the twenty twenty one season, and that wasn't very impressive. But now it's nine weeks in a row, so it's starting to become like that guy is a valuable fantasy asset. Yeah. Um, pick two half PPR. Oh boy, here we go. Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Garrett Wilson, <laughs> and Drake London. I think I'm going Deontay and London for safety. London and Juju yes. for upside. Yep. Uh, oh, man, no, I totally agree. De- Deontay, so Deontay overall. Um, and then it's between London and Juju a bit for me there. And I think you, you kind of nailed it. It's Deontay for sure is in that lineup. London is the higher... Kind of, or the safer kind of play, you know, his target share is, is set it and forget it. Um, and Juju is definitely the higher upside. I I'm all in on Juju again That's the... every week. And then one more from big will Trevor Lawrence or Kirk cousins. Uh, I'm going Kirk cousins here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right. Start to Jeez, Louise guys. You got fire teams, Johnny, big salami. Amon Ra, Debo, Garrett Wilson, or Deontay Johnson Oof. has to be Amon Ra and Debo. Amon Ra and Debo, yeah, I would even yeah. even me as much as I say Deontay's a weak winning asset this week. Uh, Amon Ra is a weak winning asset every week. Yeah, this one's a little tough. Gerald Everett, Tyler Conklin, or Tyler Higby. Without Keenan Allen, I think I'd go. Actually, I think I'm just going. Yeah, without Keenan Allen, I go Everett. If Keenan Allen plays, I think I'm going Higby. Higby. Yeah. I, yeah. I love Tyler Conklin. Don't get me wrong, but that's Higby is, you know, one touchdown away from being the tight end one every week, essentially at this point. Yeah. Need to start one from Mullen 1031 Hollywood, Deontay or London Hollywood for me. Hollywood. Yep. Damn. These people have some good team. Shout out to you patrons. Um, let's see. That's what happens when you join the Brodo Patreon bro. You get these yeah, insane rosters. I think you got one more question here. Just trying to find it. Here we go. Super flex spot. Baker, yes. Gino, 
or Zach Wilson or rock with Wilson. someone like Damian Harris or DJ Moore. I'm just diving in with Zach Wilson and saying, start Zach Wilson, baby. It's it's the highest upside play of all of the options that you just mentioned. All three of those quarterbacks should probably be started over Harris and Moore. Those guys were both kind of fades for us this week anyway. Uh, as bad as Baker is, 12 points is more than Damian Harris is six. Uh, but yeah. I'm I'm in on Zach Wilson, and I think Zach Wilson has a high-end QB2. You know, let's rank him. I think I have him QB15 or 16 this week. Nice. Yeah, I'm pretty nice. high on Zach Wilson. I, I've always been I high like on Zach that. Wilson, and there's an interesting kind of statistic, and it might be by default now, and I'm not trying to, like, you know, shit on a guy that just lost his season to a horrific an- ankle injury, but statistically we say that out of five quarterbacks drafted in the first round, only two will ever end up being hits. Only two yeah. will ever end up being fan- like relevant quarterbacks. Well, Trevor Lawrence certainly looks like one. Justin Fields certainly isn't Mac Jones is Mac Jones. <laughs> Trey Lance is not an NFL quarterback right now. So I'm putting my uh, little analytic cap <laughs> on top of J- Zach Wilson as that second hit rate quarterback. I love it. And with that, we're diving into the last segment, the unlimited league recap, another patron uh, perk here. There's the unlimited league with all flex spots and a little bit of an ESPN type action where we go into the league and look at it. So Tim's not here. He is in the Brodo Unlimited Bald Division. I'm his co-manager, so I can step in and check in when he is not around. Um, and let's take a look here in the standings. I'm going to start with the bottom of the standings just because I like to poke fun at the Brodo family. And at the bottom of the standings, 0-3, 16-team league in 16th place is Santiago Casanova. Oh, and three, just 274 <laughs> points last in the league. Tim not doing so sexy himself either with the name Flexi Rexy. One and two back to back L's. So they're both outside the top 10. And then there are three undefeated teams still. Shout out to the undefeated teams Farmer John, three and oh, Lawrence and Order, three and oh, and Hertz Alerts, three and oh. Nice, uh, Nice starts to the season for those guys. We have a one versus 14 matchup. Let's see what the best matchup of the week is. A three versus 16, a 12 versus 15, a four versus six, two against the 13, 11 against the eight. No big time standout matchups. Let's go to the four versus six matchup and see who you think gets the edge here. Um, This is the bearded bastard versus two B or not to a B. So I'm going to go over these two teams and let me know who you think wins it. Uh, The bearded bastard has... Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, Jalen Waddell, Michael Thomas, Tyler Higby, Cordell Patterson, Kyler Murray, and Matt Ryan. And then we got Tua B or not Tua B. Oh, he has Tua. Unfortunate. Cooper Cup, Dalvin Cook, Mike Williams, Tony Pollard, Dawson Knox, Christian Kirk, Tua, and Naheem Hines. I think the bearded bastard has um He's definitely has got to the easily edge take now this one, right? The unfortunate news. Yeah. That's rough. Uh, let's look at the number one team in the league. His starting lineup of Jamar Chase, Nick Chubb, Mark Andrews leading the way. DK Metcalf, wow. Alexander Madison in the starting lineup, which is interesting. Um, Alex, uh, Devontae Smith, Mitch Trubisky, and Zach Ertz. So this is a first place team. Huh? A little uh, less exciting little than I expected it to be. Yeah. And all right. 387 points also leads the way. By wow. Three. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So not too shabby there. Um, let's see the second place team. Um, what his team is looking like. Lawrence in order. 
JT, CD Lamb, Saquon, Amari Cooper, Tyler Boyd, Gerald Everett, Jacoby Brissett, and Trevor Lawrence. That's a, that's a solid team. That's a we, solid I, team I find, as well. I always find it interesting when your weakest position at Superflex is quarterback, <laughs> but yeah. it's a solid team. <laughs> yeah. In week three, uh, that team we just discussed, um, Mullen 1031's team, uh, Lawrence in order, put up 154 points. That was tops of the week. And then the first place team um, was the second highest team in the week. Tim lost last week 152 to 105. And Cass lost last week 123 to 80. Oof. Not great. <clears throat> Not great at all. And that's a Broto Unlimited ball division. And now we're going to the Broto Unlimited slightly balding division, which is the league where Matt and myself are in. Ayo, I am not doing so hot. I'm in 11th place. I lost Trey Lance, man. And this is, you could start two quarterbacks. So now I'm down to Geno Smith, Marcus Mariota, and Joe Flacco. So tough sledding for me. Um, You, on the other hand, Matt, you are three (laughs) and oh, baby, in second place. Wow, 301, 341 points for. We have only two 3 and 0 teams remaining, Matt and Team Drip C. He has 433 points, by far the most. Let's take a look at this guy's team because that's an impressive yeah, total Drip, of points. Drip's team is insane. Drip is starting Nick Chubb, Debo Samuel, CEH, Amon Ra, Chase Edmonds, Dawson Knox, Lamar Jackson, and Jimmy Garoppolo. That is a That is a nice boulder. <laughs> that is that's a strong that's a strong team a right nice there couple. is that your boulder that is <laughs> that a, nice, is a boulder. nice boulder uh matt you're playing the 16th ranked team shout out to two girlies one cup gary Irwin and and at nick lovin the only owen three teams you gotta have the teams who are not shipping up to look so good Alexander the Great got his first win, jumped to one and two last week. I am one and two now, down in eleventh place. Um, let's see if we got any interesting matchups this week. We got a three against seven, which is solid. Five against nine, three fifteen, eight and fourteen, two and sixteen, one and ten, twelve and six, and eleven and four. So nothing that really stands out. I'll go to the two teams that have the uh, probably the best matchup on paper, and that's. Team three and team seven right now. Uh, Eagle twenty eighty against Team Mark Ham. So Matt, I want you to tell me who who you give the edge to here. Team Mark Ham has Najoku, T Higgins, good start. DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Devonte Smith, Zach Ertz, Jeff Wilson, and Jared Goff. Only one quarterback playing because he has Prescott and Pickett. Oh. Not ideal. And then Eagle 2080 has Travis Kelsey, Saquon Barkley, Terry McLaurin, Tyler Higby, Mac Hollins, Adam Thielen, Pat Mahomes, and Carson Wentz. I got to give the edge Damn. to Eagle 2080 here. Damn. Yeah, me right? too. And I mean, on the bench, they have a, a couple viable, quite viable uh, pivots off of Hollins if, if Renfro does play. Yeah. Yeah. And now we got a uh, looking back at week three, Alexander the Great after starting 0-2 and saying his team was in shambles. He led the league in scoring with 144 points. Drip, 139 points. And then Eagle, 2080, was the third most points with 138. I lost last week, 138 to 115, playing against Eagle, 2080. Matt, you won last week, only putting up 104 points. So a little bit of a, a luck win, but sometimes those Defense are the best wins championships. 
Yeah. <laughs> against uh, Jake from IT, who only put up 75 points. So we got ourselves a nice little competitive division here. We got only two 3-0 and teams. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, two and one teams. Uh, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, and two, one and two teams, and then two, oh, and three teams. Um, it's team KV, balanced. yeah, team KV from BK was two and oh, lost last week for the first time. Same as team JRX, uh, DD was two and one, excuse me, two and oh, and got his first loss. So, team Drip and Matt, you two not going head to head this week, but you are going head to head to see who could be the last remaining, uh, undefeated team. So that's going to yeah, be, yeah, I, I love this format. I, I really went, um, like true zero RB uh, in this format. I don't have any running backs and I've refused to pick up viable ones on the waiver wire, which probably will come and haunt me um, <laughs> because there are definitely some good waiver options. Um, we kept pretty short benches to open that, that waiver up. Yeah, it, yeah. it's going to be, I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, I can last the entire season without adding a single running back. That would be glorious. That's what I did last year. And it did not work out for me, even though I wanted it to. It's tough. <laughs> Your starting lineup. Let's recap that. We looked at Team Drip starting lineup. You have CD Lamb, AJ Brown, Michael Thomas, Traylon Burks, Elijah Moore, Tyler Conklin, Kyler Murray, and Justin Fields. You could really see your uh, dynasty mindset here. Your, your team is so <laughs> yeah, young. 100%. You have such a young so team. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you're 3-0, and oh, so true. young teams win championships. That should be your new, uh, Apparently. new thing. Yeah, that's the uh, the unlimited recap, and that's the episode, folks. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, uh, at Broto Fantasy on Twitter, BrotoFantasy.com, Fantasy Football by Broto app. Find us there. I'm at BrotoFF Mike. Matt, where can they find you? At PsychWard, at PsychWard FF on all social media. Cass is at BrotoFF Casanova. Tim, at BrotoFF Tim. Jay, at BrotoFF Jay. Um, at FF by Broto to follow the app twitter handle yeah uh thank you guys for listening go download the app go uh join the patreon and hop in the discord it's been a ton of fun um this season and with that thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week good luck oh matt you know what since tim's not here let me ask you um tim doesn't eat gluten how do you feel about a nice gluten filled slice of pizza oh my i love gluten (laughs) <laughs> I love bur-